You know, I thought that our eldership were men of wisdom and knowledge, but after hearing me speak three times, and they, they had the audacity to ask me to speak again, so I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of that now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're, we're taught that, you know, we ought to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us the reason for the hope that is in us was meekness and with fear. Uh, David said in the long ago, you know, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. And he says that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the entire 23rd Psalm. And so he is our shepherd and bishop of our soul. And we need to ever be aware of that and realize that. As Brother John said, the lesson this morning that I chose to discuss is what are God's people like? And you're going to be surprised at what uh, some of God's people are like. <laughs> uh, in Titus 2.14, he said, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now that tells us what we are supposed to look like as Christians, what we're supposed to be alike. The word uh, Christian we know uh, uh, is found three times in the New Testament in Acts 11.26. Uh, it says there that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And then in Acts 26, 28, we've been studying from that chapter on Wednesday night. He said, here he told Agrippa, he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And, uh, and Paul said, I wish that thou were almost and altogether as I am, except these chains or these bonds. And then also in 1 Peter 4, verses 16, well, 15, he said, let no man suffer as a thief or murderer or evildoer or a busy man, busybody in other men's matters. And then verse 16, he said, but if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but rather glorify God in this behalf. So those are the three times we see the word Christian in the, in the New Testament. But I want to toss out some things to you here that uh, uh, they may be a little bit seem a little bit silly to you maybe, but there's a lot of truth in this. Uh, some, some Christians are just like kites. They're liable to get hung up in any old sectarian wire. You know, they'll just believe anything that's taught. Some Christians are like canoes. They need to be paddled, really, because of the way they act in, in, in public places. Some Christians are just like kittens. The more you pet them, the louder they purr, you know. <laughs> And then some Christians are just like a wheelbar. They have to be pushed in everything that they do. Some Christians are like house trailers. They're no good except when you pull them. You know, you have to say, hey, come on, let's, let's get with the work. Let's do this, you know. And then some Christians are just like a neon light. They're on and then they're off. You know how that is. They're hot and they're cold. Uh, some Christians are like a sailboat. They just get blown and tossed about by every wind of doctrine. They'll believe anything, you know. And we see this on the, on TV all the time, the, the tele, TV televangelists, you know. 
Some are some Christians are just like balloons. They're just liable to blow up any time. And you've seen people like that when they go around with a chip on their shoulder, you know, and, and you just say the wrong thing and they just become very angry, you know. So they're uh, they're like a balloon. And then some Christians are just like footballs. You never know which way they're going to bounce. <laughs> they're just, you know, they're going to be one way today and tomorrow they may be some other way. But then, sad to say, some Christians are just like sink of coffee. 98% of the active ingredients has been removed from them. Some Christians are like buttons. They're always popping off at the wrong time. I'm kind of bad for that myself. And then some are like sponges. They're always, you know, soaking up everything that others provide, but they don't never contribute anything themselves. And then the last negative one is some are like buzzards. The only time they go to church is when somebody dies. You know, somebody has said that some people only go to church three times in their life. When they're hatched, when they're matched, and when they're dispatched. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. Around Easter time, every, most of them will show up, you know. But uh, then on the, on, the, on the positive side, though, some Christians are just like a, a, uh, a gold watch, you know, or like a good watch. They're full of gold. They're self-winding. They're full of good works. And uh, just like Dorcas was, you remember in the scriptures. And then 15, some are Christ-like. And this is the one that we want to pattern our lives after. We want to be Christ-like. In Philippians 2 and 5, he says, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Uh, you know, we were talking Wednesday night about the word Christian. If you take Christ out of Christian, you got I-A-N left, which means I ain't nothing. And that's true. You know, without Christ, we're nothing. Uh, we're just, somebody said we're just, Men were just a big ball of mud and the women were made from bones and they were a lot better. Okay, but uh, there are a lot of so-called Christians, but only a few real ones. Now, uh, real Christians have obeyed God's law and they continue to strive to walk according to His law. So with these things in mind, let's look at some of the traits that can be found in a real Christian. And these are, are positive, all positive things. First of all, they're prayerful. And he spake a parable unto them in Luke 18.1. says, He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought to always pray and not to faint. Not to quit is what he's saying, you know. Be consistent. In Matthew 6, 9 through 11, he says, he was teaching them to pray here, and he said, After this manner, therefore, uh, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Number 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. 12, he says, uh, forgive us our debtors as we forget our debtors. 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen, he said. And then real Christians are not only prayerful, but they're students of the Bible. And we need to get back to that, studying the Bible. At one time, the the members of the Church of Christ were known as walking Bibles. But sad to say in this day and age, I, I, I think we've lost a little bit of that reputation. But we need to be students of the Bible. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling aright the, the Word of God. 
In John 5 and verse 39, he says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. In Romans 15 and 4, he says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The Scriptures are comforting. There's a solution to every problem we have in this Bible if we will just dig in there and find it. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So real Christians then, prayerful, they're students of the Bible, they live the Christian life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become as new. Different person altogether after you obey the, that gospel. Matthew 5, 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God, uh, which your Father which is in heaven. You know, he also says in Matthew 5 that you are the light of the world. A city that sit on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and place it under a bushel, but rather on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that in her house. He talks about the same chapter, we're the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, it is thence good forth for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of man. So we need to let that good light shine, see. In Titus 2 and 7 and 8, Paul is a writer here, and he says, In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech it cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part uh, might not have anything evil to say of you. He's saying, conduct yourself so that the world can't point their finger at you and say that, you know, well, that, he, that guy don't practice what he preaches. Romans uh, 2 and 21, he says, there, Paul says, Therefore thou which teachest another, teach not thyself. Well, of course, if we try to teach somebody else, we're going to learn more from preparing a lesson ourselves than we teach others. I believe Jeff would agree with that. Uh, but uh, he says, If you preach that a man should not steal, do you go out and steal? Of course not. That would be uh, hypocritical, wouldn't it? Number four, real Christians are soul winners. Soul winners. James 5, 19, 20. He says in 19, Brother, if any of you do err from the truth, and one converts him, verse 20 says, Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. In Acts uh, 20 uh, and verse 7, uh, he tells us there that we are supposed to attend, or 10.25 rather, Hebrews 10.25, first of all, he says that we are to attend to worship, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching, which I assume is the Lord's day, I would think it, as you see uh, the day approaching. See, and then in Acts 20 and verse 7, it says upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together, to break bread that Paul preached unto them. And he continued his speech until midnight. Now don't get alarmed. I'm not going to continue no speech till, till midnight, you know. Then real Christians, number six, have a strong conviction. In John 8 and 32, he says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, also in John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them through thy 
word, thy word is truth. And in Jude 3, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful that I write unto you and exhort to you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Number seven, real Christians care for the poor people. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather labor with his hands the things that are good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now that's benevolence right there, friends, in action. And then in Matthew 25.31-46 here, he says, When the Son of Man shall come in glory with all his holy angels, this is the scene when he comes back. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left hand. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed to my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. He said in verse 35, I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me and you came unto me. And then they asked the question, well, when do we see all these things, you know? And he says then, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me, see? But then he says in verse 41 that he's going to say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We don't want to hear that. For I was hungry, you gave me no meat. Thirsty, you gave me no drink. Stranger, you took me not in. Naked, you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, you visited me not. And all of these things. And then they, they said, but you know, when did we do that? And then he says in verse uh, 45, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of these, you did it not unto me. So we never know, you know, just a cup of, uh, a cup of cold water in his name given, we sing sometimes, is pays dividends, pays dividends. And uh, he says, and these on the left hand shall go away, away into everlasting punishment prepared for the, uh, the uh, but the righteous shall go into eternal life. Then in Matthew, <clears throat> excuse me, in 721, he says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven. And many will say unto me in that day, Lord, haven't we prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will say, Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. And then he tells us, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he said, I liken unto him to a wise man that built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat up on the house, and it fell not because it was founded upon the rock. And that rock is Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. And then he said, Whosoever shall uh, heareth these sayings of mine and doeth it not, I will liken unto him unto a man that built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat up on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. And when he had ended these sayings, uh, they were astonished at his doctrine. The next verse says, Because he taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. So real Christians then are willing to give as they're prospered. You know, people say, Well, you start, you quit preaching and go meddling, you know. But 
I'm not a preacher, see, and they can't fire me. <laughs> so it don't matter. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, if I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. Uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 7, Paul says, I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others, he says, and to prove your sincerity of your love. Therefore, he says, as you abound in everything now, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, word, see that you abound in this grace also. Paul's saying they, they were abounding in all these things, but he says, see that you abound in this grace. He's talking about giving there, folks. We have to learn how to give. It don't just come natural. And you can't outgive God. I don't care how hard you try. You can't outgive God. Then real Christians, number nine, have great faith. In Hebrews 11 and 6, he says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Real Christians then do not dodge responsibility. Number 10. They are willing to shoulder their responsibility. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9, Paul says we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's builders. We're willing to accept our responsibility. You know, the church sometimes is, has been referred to as a willing church. Nine five percent are willing to work, and ninety-five percent are willing to let them. <laughs> but we don't want to have a reputation like that. Uh, salvation is universal for all, but we all have different talents, and we we should use those talents to the best of uh, our ability. Then number 11, real Christians walk in the steps of Christ. 1 Peter 2 and 21, he says, For hereunto were ye called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should walk in his steps. Real Christians, number 12, are living sacrifices. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Real Christians, number 14, are great examples. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he said, Let no man despise thy youth. But he says, Be an example of the believers in word, Conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. That's what he told Timothy, and that's certainly good advice for all of us. We're to be a good example. Some of the brethren use that in their prayer here, which I think is great, you know, to pray that we will be a good example where others can see our works and be willing to follow after us. And, and thus be a, uh, following after Christ also. Then 14... Real Christians do all in the name of the Lord. Colossians 3.17, he says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him, by Christ. Number 15, Christian, real Christians are doers of the word. Not hearers only, you know. James 1.21 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
16, real Christians are willing to work. Now, when you mention that word, you know, some people get cold feet. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain uh, in the Lord. Real Christians are willing to keep God's commandments. Revelation 22:14, he says, Blessed are they which do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So we're willing to keep his commandments. Whatever he says, we will do. That's what, that should be our attitude. Number 18, real Christians believe God. Matthew 22 and 37, or love God. Matthew 22, 37, he was asked the question, you know, what was the greatest commandment? He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And then he said, The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For on these two hangs the law and the prophets. John 14, 23, Jesus answered him and said, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our abode with him. Real Christians then are willing to practice pure religion. James 1 verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, that you visit the widows and orphans in their affliction, and that you keep himself unspotted from the world. Now that's a big task, isn't it? Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Number 20. Real Christians try to be faithful to the best of their ability. You know, just because we become a Christian doesn't guarantee us eternal salvation. Because we have to remain faithful. In Revelation 2.10 he says, Fear not of those things which I shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried or tested. You shall receive tribulation ten days, a figurative period of time, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life, is what he says. He we need to be faithful unto the point of death if somebody was threatened to kill us, you know, we still need to be faithful. Or we need to be faithful as long as we live until natural death comes. There's no, there's no damage done to the scripture either way that you interpret that right there. In James 1 and verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he's tested, in other words, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You know, in 2 Timothy 4, over there, verses 1 through 8, Paul said down there about 6, he said, I'm now ready to be offered the time of my departures at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but in all of them that love his appearing. So that's that crown of righteousness. Peter talks about that crown, you know, that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for us, he says. So in conclusion, we might say that there are many things that make up the Christian life, and we have to recognize all of these phases and upheld these things with all purity of life if we want to be acceptable in God's sight. I like the verse of Scripture in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. He says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, 
whether it be good or whether it be evil. In Revelation 22 and 17, God's invitation, He says, In the Spirit of the, and the Bride, say, Come. And whosoever will, he that heareth, say, Come. And whosoever, uh, let him as a thirst, say, Come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Matthew 28, 29, and 30, you know, he says, Come unto me, all you that are laboring heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, the plan of salvation is simple, as I've said before. You hear it, Romans 10, 17, you believe it. Except you believe I am he, you shall die in your sins. You have to repent of your sins. Luke 13, 3, 13, 5. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You need to confess the name of Christ. And Romans 10 and 10 says, With, uh, with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then baptism, the cultivating act that places one into Christ, where we come in contact with the blood of Christ, it's taught in many places in the New Testament. Colossians 2, 12 uh, Acts 2.38, uh, Galatians 3.26 and 7, it says, uh, says we're all returned to God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Romans 6, 1 through 6, uh, uh, Paul was told in uh, Acts 22 and 16, he says, And why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it's pretty plain that... Uh, that uh, all of those things are essential to place one into Christ, and that does not guarantee eternal salvation, but that only gets you ready to run the Christian race or to fight the good fight of, fi of faith and, hold, and lay hold on eternal life. If you need to respond to the gospel, you can come while we stand and, and sing.